listening to Get Talking, a podcast aimed at educating and opening up discussion about mental health issues. Here are your hosts, Jason Welch and Christine Howard Staines. If you got a problem, makes you scream and shout. Maybe there's another way to work it out. Take a breath in and let it out. Get talking. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Series 3 of our Get Talking podcast. I'm Jason. I'm here with Christine, and um, we're gonna we're gonna actually do it slightly differently this time for our third series, based on the the listener feedback. We're gonna we're gonna go for shorter podcasts, so maybe thirty minutes. Um, but the aim here is to continue with our um, depth of discussion, but try and get a podcast out a bit more regularly. So. Fingers crossed you like it, um, but we're going to go straight into it. Yes, it's uh, it's good to be back. We've had a, a bit of a long break, but let's get straight into it. Um, we're going to kick off this season and this new style with sleep disorders. Um, I know that you agree with me on this, Jason, that good quality sleep is absolutely essential to our well-being. Yep. Not, not only physically, but psychologically. You know, we can't function without sleep. It's essential to life. And we really ought to stop minimizing its importance. Agree. I've just said that, but I'm going to hold my hand up here and say that I was one of those people who, you know, years ago would say things like, there's enough time for sleep when I'm dead, <laughs> which I'm really embarrassed to even repeat now. But I do believe that a lot of people had that attitude and, and some still do. And quite frankly, the reality is we might all be dead a bit sooner than expected if we do take that attitude. Whoa, 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 okay, right. But we, we don't want to scare people here, you know? No, I know, I know, of course not. And I must say that an occasional poor night's sleep or, or even a short period of a sleep problem is not the end of the world. But longer-term problems or, you know, seriously bad habits, they should be addressed if we want to stay well and, and, you know, we must move away from any kind of negative view that people are being obsessed or, or even worse, that they're being lazy if they're simply trying to get a good night's sleep. So, Christine, I think that's a very good point. We need to get into why you're saying that and what we can do about it. Yeah, right. So let's start at the beginning. We're talking about sleep disorders. There are 10 uh, separate disorders of sleep, according to the DSM, which is a diagnostic and statistical manual of, of mental disorders. Uh, I'm not sure I like the sound of that. <laughs> what, that there's 10 disorders? Yeah, but more importantly, a manual for mental disorders. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's an unfortunate title. Um, it comes across really badly. Um, let me just say it's, it's basically a categorization of mental health problems and it's really helpful. It helps professionals to diagnose and, and create treatment plans and, and basically creates a kind of shorthand so that professionals can talk, um, talk to each other more, more easily. Um, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? I think our, our discomfort, or maybe your discomfort on this, is perhaps around the word mental disorder. And we talked about this in our first podcast, didn't we? It's that stigma about mental yeah. health. Because if you had a, a manual of some physical health problem, I don't think it would make our toes curl. Anyway, let's just get on with it. Back to sleep problems. So there are several, 
And we'll talk about most of these over the next few podcasts with this new format. But I want us to start with insomnia. The reason for that um, is twofold. One is that it's a topic that listeners have asked us to cover. But also as a psychologist, it's a problem that I, I see regularly. Now, sometimes it's a symptom of other conditions, but sometimes it's a condition in itself. So it needs tackling sort of independently. So, Christine, I think a good place here to kind of take a step back and let's define insomnia. Okay. You know, we always used to come up with definitions at the beginning of our old podcast. I think that was quite good. But I'm sure our listeners are wondering if they actually have insomnia. Right. Okay. So back to the DSM then. And, and without me simply reading that diagnostic list, um, I'll just summarize it. Insomnia is basically when a person feels dissatisfied with the quality or the quantity of their sleep because of either problems getting off to sleep or problems staying asleep or they're waking too early. Now, to have an actual diagnosis, this must be causing significant distress it must occur at least three nights a week and for more than three months. Okay. Well, sometimes when I have early morning flights, I keep waking up in the night regularly because I'm worried about not getting up or if I've got a meeting and I can't get to sleep because I'm worried about that meeting. What you're saying there, that, that's not insomnia, right? Well, there's another way of categorizing insomnia that might be more helpful. We, we can talk about transient, acute, and chronic. So can we expand on that? Yeah. So transient, it lasts for less than a week. Acute, lasts for less than three months. And chronic is more than three months, and much more typical of that DSM criteria um, that I've just given you. Interesting. So listening to those descriptions, I, I want to know a little bit more, and I'm sure our listeners would, about the kind of transient in it and acute, because they sound very similar. Okay. Well, well, the transient, which is less than a week, basically, um, will most likely be due to a recent or, you know, impending stressful events. So, for example, you've said you, you often can't sleep if you've got to take a, a flight the next day, you know, perhaps you're worried about missing the yeah. flight or whatever. Um, yeah. Or maybe there's, you know, if someone's got a, a job interview or, or they've got an exam the, ne the, the next day. Now, that will compare to acute, which can last up to three months and is more likely to be the result of, of a bigger, more stressful event. So I'm thinking about things like a bereavement or, or something like moving home. Now, in both cases, in the transient and the acute, um, the insomnia will normally clear up on its own, you know, one, once the event has passed or, or the person has adapted to their kind of new situation. Now, if we compare this to chronic insomnia, which fulfills that diagnostic criteria, it's obviously more troublesome, but not just because it's lasting longer, the, the chronic insomnia, but the reason it's lasting longer is that it's become a problem in itself. It's not secondary to another issue. And, and therefore, people really need to tackle it head on. So I know that you've mentioned in the past about clients having issues with sleep, and I've also mentioned my sleep problems. How big do we think this problem really is then? Okay, it's huge. 
honestly, I mean, there are studies from around the world um, that are suggesting, I mean, there was one study back in, it was in 2008, but nevertheless, it was a big, you know, significant uh, piece of research that suggests that one third of adults report symptoms. Um, this piece of research indicated that in the United States, there was the highest prevalence. They had have 56% wow. of the problem. You yeah, have people uh, suffering with insomnia, describing insomnia. Uh, the figure was 31% in Europe and 23% in Japan. And interestingly, there, there were differences, for example, between the European countries with Spain having almost 10% lower figures than their neighbor France, for example. Okay. It's clearly a really big problem. It touches a lot of people. And I think maybe these differences amongst nations are, are suggesting that lifestyle is playing a big part here, you know, driven by cultural or economic social pressures. Um, Post-COVID, the numbers have increased even further. In fact, it's even been given a name, Coronasomnia. Wow. <laughs> it was reported that the word insomnia was Googled more in 2020 than ever before. Based on what was going on in 2020, it wouldn't really come as a surprise to me, at least. But what it does kind of show is that people were obviously getting more concerned about it uh, and looking at why we sleep and how important sleep is. And, you know, I kind of find it quite interesting, really, because in certain aspects of the world, sleep is taken very seriously. So if you think about top athletes, they use sleep as their training routines. Um, only the other day I was watching a program about a rower that was being uh, encouraged to sleep during the day. And I know that um, the British cycling team were doing that and in football they're doing that. So, you know, it is, it is taken quite seriously in many areas. And I know there's certain businesses now that have got sleep pods in their offices. Wow. Um, if people are back in the offices, but, you know, um, so, yeah, it is a big deal. It is. And that's good that people are taking it seriously. Athletes are, are a bit of a special case, aren't they? They do all sorts of other things that us normal people wouldn't do. You know, you know, they eat a lot more calories and, yep. and you know, the lifestyle generally is quite extreme. Um, the top athletes I'm talking about. But nevertheless, you're highlighting that sleep's an important part of their ability to perform really well. So that's a good point to move on to what I want to talk about is, you know, a little bit more about why sleep is essential. Um, we know um, researchers generally all agree that there's not one physiological purpose of sleep, yep. but that sleep is essential to vital functions. So in other words, it's essential to life. And without getting into a biology lesson, let's just remind ourselves that if we're sleep deprived, we can't fight disease properly we can't learn properly. We can't lay down memories well. We can't grow and repair our bodies. Our mood will be affected and we may then struggle to maintain good relationships. And we can put ourselves and others in danger, for instance, when driving or, or at work. So basically, we can't take care of ourselves when we're sleep deprived and we're at risk. And this you know, it's clear this is going to result in a poorer quality of life, poor health, and maybe even a, a shortened lifespan. Well, I'm certainly convinced. Listening to some of that, actually, I'm a little scared that our listeners might be a little scared. 
Um, okay. There's no doubt that it is essential. And, uh, you know, as we move through the podcast, we'll learn more about how, how we deal with this, right? Yeah, we will. Don't be scared, seriously. Um, we're going to see that fear about not sleeping is actually one of the maintaining factors for yes, insomnia. Yes. Look, right. As you said, you know, sleep is a natural phenomenon. We just need to put things in place to maximize its effectiveness. And, and all this knowledge is power. You know, it's not, not to scare people. Knowledge is power. It's not there to increase anxiety. But we'll, we'll talk again more about that later. So what we know so far is we know it's essential. We know it's a big problem uh, across the world um, with humans struggling to get enough sleep. We need to discuss really what's the way forward. Um, can you talk us through sleep? Personally, I know a little bit about REM and NREM, and that might not mean a lot to a lot of other people, but I know there's other different stages involved in sleep. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a good place to start. So should we start with some facts about sleep architecture? I've heard the term, but really... Sleep architecture, it's, it's the structure, it's the shape of, of normal sleep. And as you said, there are different stages of sleep, and we cycle through these stages during the course of normal sleep so that's sleep architecture now are all the stages of the cycles important yeah they are and it's going to become clearer later why it's important to understand this technical stuff about sleep so let's go back to those geeky facts geeky facts stage one can be described as dozing off it lasts only a few minutes and it's that sensation of, of drifting off to sleep at this point, we can easily be awakened. And some people actually enjoy this, this kind of what they call hypnagogic state. I mean, the most common experience that people have um, during this, this, um, this phase is that sensation of, of falling. You know, sometimes we, we kind of jerk suddenly um, and this is, it's all normal. Yes, I've seen it many a time. In fact, the person sitting on the plane next to me yesterday was uh, certainly in that stage. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? You know, when you're in a public place and then you realise well, that... Well, when you realise you're doing it, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. They're actually called hypnic jerks. <laughs> there was a name for them. It's kind of in that, that hypnagogic state. It's, okay. it's interesting. I, I'm not sure how strong the research is on this, um, but there is a kind of theory that there's an evolutionary uh, story behind this, and it's something to do with uh, apes falling out of trees. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, you, you, it's that sensation of falling is triggering some mechanism to wake you up. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's the, the muscles relaxing. Right, moving on to stage two. Stage two occurs, or what we call light sleep, and this is longer. Overall, it normally takes up about 50% of our sleep. And in this stage, the breathing really slows down and the muscles relax completely. Um, eye movements normally stop. There might be some short burst of activity, but in general, they stop. And our energy is now being conserved, which is, is important, you know, for, for when we're awake. It's also the time that information that's taken in during the day is beginning to be filtered and prepared for memory storage. 
And I like this analogy that I've heard, which is it's like clearing out the inbox and preparing to file things away that might be important for, for future reference. Um, and then we have stage three, which is deep sleep. Now, this is longer in the earlier uh, sleep cycles, and we get less and less of this stage as the night goes on. During deep sleep, sleep the brain waves really slow down now. I don't know a lot, but I believe that they're called the delta waves, right? They are. They're seen as high amplitude, low frequency brain waves. Um, we're very still at this point, and it's very hard to wake up from this stage of sleep. If we are woken, we feel sort of groggy. And in fact, um, we'll talk about that later. It's interesting because that relates to um, catnaps and, and so on. It's during this stage that important functions are taking place though, um, physical functions for physical health. So that the pituitary gland releases hormones and that includes the, the growth hormone. Um, glucose metabolism increases in the brain and this helps with memory and learning. The information that's taken in during the day and is sifted through in stage two is now placed in long-term storage. So to follow from that previous analogy, we could say that the information from the inbox is being transferred into a safe place. Okay. Um, and there are other important things happening, such as cells are regenerated, blood supplies increase to muscles, bones and other tissues are repaired and grow, and, and the immune system is strengthened. So finally, it's thought that insight and creativity occur in this stage too. Okay. And yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Perhaps it's this sort of really relaxed nature of this stage that allows us to think clearly and calmly. Um, I remember my mother always saying, things will sleep, you know, will seem better in the morning. Yeah. And, and saying things like, sleep on it. You know, I mean, we all say that, don't we? Sleep we do, on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's that, that belief that our problems will feel less troublesome after a night's sleep. It's, it's, it's not just an old, old wives' tale. Yep. Now, this contrasts uh, with the final stage of sleep, which is REM sleep. Um, most people will have heard of that, rapid eye movement sleep. Uh, it has this name because only the eyes can be seen to move. I mean, of course, the heart's beating and, and we're breathing, you know, all, all the normal functions yep. are taking yeah. place. Anyway. Um, but other than the eyes, the body is effectively paralyzed. Now, in this phase, we're dreaming. And if we're woken at this stage, we will be aware that we were dreaming. I quite often hear people saying, oh, I don't dream. <laughs> I never dream. Well, we do dream, but you wouldn't be aware of it necessarily unless you were woken in REM sleep itself. You might wake in another stage of sleep, you see, so then you're not aware of the, the dreaming. Um, the body is paralyzed, therefore, so that we don't act out on those dreams. Quite handy. <laughs> Very handy. And it's really fascinating. This actual mechanism, it can be disrupted in some people. So it's one of the things we'll, we'll talk about in, in a later podcast. But I'm, at the moment, I'm just describing a normal sleep pattern here. So just going back to, to kind of what's going on, we talked earlier about the brainwaves really slowing down. I believe when we get to the REM sleep, the brainwaves look very different, right? They do. And it's sometimes um, referred to as paradoxical sleep. It's the paradoxical stage because actually the brainwaves are very similar to uh, the brainwaves um, that we see when awake. But the muscles involved in conscious movement are paralyzed. Now, 
Importantly, it's during REM sleep that emotional memories are processed. I say importantly because obviously in my profession as a psychologist, we're talking about emotions um, a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, dreams, they can seem really bizarre and nonsensical. Yeah, we've all had those weird dreams that we, you know, sort of wake up wondering about ourselves, <laughs> how we could have dreamt such things. Um, yes. But in fact, even though they're bizarre and nonsensical, actually, if you look at the sort of component parts, if you break <clears throat> those dreams right down, those component parts often do relate to things that have, have actually taken place or things that you might have heard or seen or thought of during the day, or maybe some issues that you might be worrying about. It's so complex though. And it's, it's probably why Freud and the psychoanalysts were, were so interested in, in dreams. Yeah, worrying about it. Yeah. Um, as the night moves on, and we pass through the, the sleep cycles, that REM sleep, the dream sleep, gets longer and longer. Yeah. And again, our listeners might recognize this if, if they think about those sort of lazy Sunday mornings when they've had a lie-in, that when you're dozing in and out of sleep, and you seem to be just going from one dream to another, yep. well, in fact, you probably are. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it's a message that your body is physically rested and, and you ought to get up. It's interesting, isn't it? it it's, yeah, that is actually quite interesting. Yeah, it is. And it, but I, I find it fascinating that it seems our bodies are designed to prioritize that non-REM sleep, you know, those early stages, those first stages we talked about, which is the physically restorative sleep um, necessary for cell renewal and growth and so on, because they happen at the beginning of, of the night. Um, with the emotional processing being left to those later cycles. So thanks for that, Christine. If I look back there, right, we start to understand the normal processes that we would follow through with sleep, right? We, we've talked about the importance of sleep. We've talked about the, the, the large scale problem we have with so many people. You know, what is next? Okay. I think we need to, to offer the listeners some solutions, don't they, for insomnia and also to look at good sleep hygiene. And I think that's where we should start. I want to challenge there, right? Should we use hygiene or maybe replace that with habit? Okay. You don't like sleep hygiene? <laughs> it's, I suppose it's a bit cringy, isn't it? Sleep hygiene. Um, well, I think, yes, we are talking about good sleep habits. You're right. You're absolutely right. But there is a good analogy to um, other sort of, situation i mean i'm just trying to think now okay what about you know dental hygiene <laughs> yeah if we if we don't keep up a daily teeth cleaning routine we're going to end up in trouble yep yeah but, yeah however cleaning your teeth every day isn't going to get rid of a, a, a cavity an existing cavity or an abscess for that other treatments needed and that's why i think it it's it's a good analogy um you know with, with sleep hygiene okay so it's the same for sleep. We need to tackle both the maintenance and the deeper problems. I'm, I'm really hoping as well, Jason, kind of say with this new podcast format that it's it's great because we, we're going to have the time to do that, aren't we? I think previously we were worried that the podcasts were a little were too long, so we were trying to cram everything in. And yet one of the things that the listeners have, have always said is that they like the, the facts and they like the depth um, and the research and so on. So... I think this is going to be great because we'll be able to week by week tackle this subject in depth. Exactly. 
with that said, though, I think we probably are drawing to an end for this week. Uh, some of the things we aren't going to lose is um, the three top tips. So before we go, I would like to ask you for three top tips. Okay, so it's my turn. All right, so three top tips. Number one, stop feeling guilty about sleeping. That's what I'd say. Or stop making other people feel guilty. Um, you're not being lazy when you try and sleep seven to eight hours a night. And ignore the people showing off if, you know, they say they get by on four hours because it really isn't clever. Number two. Now, I'm actually going to say something that might sound a little paradoxical, but if you're having difficulty getting off to sleep, go to bed later. You're probably overestimating your sleep needs and your sleep drive hasn't yet been achieved. We will talk about this in the next podcast, but it's just a little bit of a tip um, for now. And finally, uh, the third tip, without wanting to undo everything that we've just said about the importance of sleep, Really, don't be upset if you're having a sleepless night. An occasional nuit blanche, as they say in, in France, is not going to harm you unless you worry about it. And if you find yourself um, unable to sleep, a simple phrase such as, you know, it doesn't matter, I, I will catch up tomorrow or the next night, often works. That's enough. So those are my three top tips for this first uh podcast of the new series. Thanks, Christy. Three really good top tips. I think, unfortunately, that is all we've got time for this week. Um, but please do join us next week where we are going to talk about some practical tips to help improve your sleep hygiene, or as I would like to call it, sleep habits. But bye for now. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please contact us through our website, www.gettalkingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's all for now, and we hope you join us again for our next episode. Get talking.